I'm Jim Juno, and this is Light the Camera Author. Colonel Tom Parker, The Curious Life of Elvis Presley's Eccentric Manager, written by James L. Dickerson, is the book Warner Brothers purchased for Baz Luhrmann's Elvis movie, starring Tom Hanks as the Colonel. Based on unprecedented original research and interviews with insiders, this authoritative biography of Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis Presley's lifelong manager, includes new revelations and insights into the music industry's most notorious and mysterious manager. I talked with James L. Dickerson about the book. I'm talking with James L. Dickerson. He has a book out which has just been made into a movie. Um, if you've been, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably have either seen the movie or at least heard of it. It's called Elvis, but the book is called Colonel Tom Parker, The Curious Life of Elvis Presley's Eccentric Manager. And welcome, welcome, Mr. Dickerson. Good to be with you. Now, I read your book. Now, I know that, I know that uh, there's always a dramatic license taken when books are converted into movies. But, um, and then Lars Berman did not do a bad job with the movie. I was highly impressed with it. But there were some events in the movie which really didn't happen. So, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I remember, uh, I remember one part where, uh, well, when he first met Elvis, you know, he, it wasn't, he didn't talk to him on a Ferris wheel. I know that. No. He talked to him in a restaurant uh, and uh, with uh, Scotty Moore and Bill Black. They were in a Memphis restaurant talking. Right. And, 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 like, and Tom Parker, um, he, was, he was not a real colonel. He was, he was a, an appointed colonel, colonel, I think, what was it, Louisiana? Right. And I'm from Louisville, uh, Kentucky, and there are things known as Kentucky colonels. My dad was one, but they were, they were it was basically for show, wasn't, uh, wasn't it? Well, uh, basically, uh, most southern states uh, gave that title to people who contributed to their campaigns uh, or helped them in some way. And people were glad to get the title because uh, um, the piece of paper that came with it would usually get them out of traffic tickets and things like that. Uh, and and Colonel Parker was never one to use a to use a, a piece of paper to get out of a paying something, isn't that right? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this is what really amazed me is that I mean he was he was basically a a car what they call a carny, um, but he had he had his a. Uh, he had promotional experience. He he was Eddie Albert's uh, manager uh, before he was Elvis's manager, and him and and it went Eddie, well. Eddie Arnold, excuse I'm me. I'm sorry, Eddie Arnold. Yeah. I said Eddie Albert. I'm sorry yeah. about that, Eddie Arnold. Yeah, and he was he was Eddie Arnold's manager before he became Elvis's manager, and that was going well until until Eddie Arnold, I guess, kind of discovered some. What would you say? Uh, Less than uh, irregularities, maybe. Yeah, less than ethical behavior, I guess. Well, let it? me tell you how he came to represent Eddie Arnold, who, who, uh, in the in the sixties, late fifties, sixties, was just huge. He was huge. Uh, he was, you know, sort of like Garth Brooks became in the eighties. He was he was a huge talent, but uh, Parker was working for the Carnival uh, in Tampa. 
And uh, I was lucky when I started this book, uh, the son of the man who owned the Colonel, I'd located and interviewed, and um, and he worked with Parker at the Carmel. He also worked because it was his father's. He he worked there, and so um, that was great experience uh, for Parker. And he read where the Grand Ole Opry was looking for somebody to manage uh, a tent tour of their artist, Grand Ole Opry artist. And so he went to Nashville and interviewed for the job and, and they hired him based upon his uh, uh, experience with the largest carnival in America at the time. And wow. so, and Eddie Arnold was one of the performers in that. And they would travel to every little town, put up tents and perform. And, uh, and when they returned, to Nashville, uh, Eddie Arnold had him a manager named Colonel Tom Parker. Wow, and and you know he uh, and Tom Parker. He, let's 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 start from the beginning. He came to America. Uh, he was not he was not a an American citizen. He was um, uh, Andreas Van Dyke. Was his real name? Andres Van Cooch. Van Cooch. Is that how you pronounce it? Right. Yeah, and from Denmark? I mean, make sure I get all my from countries. From the Netherlands. Netherlands, okay. Right. And he came, he came to America and never got a passport, never got, never got an American citizenship. But, um, you know, he started representing these singers. And... I was thinking, was it Hank Snow? Was that also one of his clients? Right, right. That, right. that was an important client. And, yeah. But he got Hank Snow because he got Eddie Arnold and because he got the uh, Grand Ole Opry affiliation. Uh, I'd, I'd like to know who hired him. I'd like to talk to that person, but who knows who hired him. Right. But, and... uh, yeah, he, uh, he came into the U.S., uh, through Tampa. And at that time, anybody could enter America through Tampa. They didn't wow. ask any questions. And, and most of the people came from South America. And, uh, and, uh, and they, they, they had a big cigar rolling business there because of the Cubans coming in and other South Dominion Republic, from the Dominion Republic. But he came in, just walked in and, uh, and he eventually, uh, some people have said that, that, that he joined the army and, and deserted. I, I found no evidence of that. And I got his file, what, I, his selective service file. Now, what he was, um, he was a little older by the time World War II was, was really going and, and uh, and so he had to register for the draft, and that meant you had to go in to be evaluated. And uh, and it was it was quite a procedure. You'd have you'd have uh, uh, I mean it's all men, of course, being drafted, and the black men that came in would have to stand at the back. The white men stood at the front, and everybody had to get buck naked. You know. Yeah. And, and so so he went through that and uh, and he was found uh, in a category that he was disqualified because of moral 
mental or other reasons. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So so somebody who was very bright that that kept him out of the army. But because because he didn't get a, uh, he couldn't get a passport. Now, if he had been in the army, he would have qualified uh, for a passport and for citizenship uh, for serving uh, the country. But so he never was able to leave the country, which is why he would not like let uh, Parker, uh, I mean, Elvis uh, travel overseas. And and that is really uh, taking a toll on this movie right now. Oh, yeah. And because it's very slow overseas. And um, like Bohemian Rhapsody, it it was a, 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 a billion or 1.1 billion, I forget which. Uh, but 90% of that movie's uh, receipts were from overseas. Just about 200 million of that was in the US. I didn't realize that. And, and so they were up at 90%. Uh, now Elvis, the last time I looked yesterday, he was down around 40% overseas. Wow. That's not gonna, it's gonna have to get better if they wanna be a billion dollar movie. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it is that he also, like you said, I mean, the movie takes some, well, takes a lot of liberties, um, especially when it comes like, you know, it's again, it starts with him meeting Elvis and on, and on a, seeing him perform. And, but it was really it was really a friend of his who uh, saw Elvis and let and let Parker know about this singer, didn't it? Wasn't it? Well, it, it actually, it was somebody he represented. Oh, okay. And, and what happened, okay, uh, Scotty and Bill Black and Elvis made those recordings in July uh, uh, 55. And so uh, by the end of the year, I forget whether it was December or January, and, and Scotty Moore became his manager. And he became his manager at, at the recommendations of, of Sam Phillips, who owned Sun Records, because, and everybody thinks that Scotty and Bill Black should have should be rich. They weren't because they were never included. Those sessions they played, they never got paid for them. They used, they were all the songs were cover songs. And so the only money that Scotty Moore could earn from working with Elvis. Uh, was as his manager in the beginning. And so one of the things he did, he sent that first record, that's all right, Mama. Uh, he was looking, he wanted to set up a tour. And there was a, a firm in, in uh, Chicago called Jamboree Attractions. And guess who owned it? Parker. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he sent the record, he sent pictures, he... And, and, and even then, Parker, uh, uh, Scotty got a, a letter back signed by Tom Diskin, who was his assistant, and said, well, thank you for sending this, but we don't represent hillbillies. <laughs> okay, so the next thing that happened, when they made their uh, appearance at the Shell Amphitheater in Memphis, that was their first big performance, and, uh, and Slim Whitman was the lead uh, performer. And he was represented by Parker. (laughs) So what happened, 
uh, they go out there and and they do they do this performance and all the women go just nuts and and just going crazy screaming reaching for him you know sort of like they did in the movie that's true and uh and so after, after that first song elvis turned around and walked up to scotty and said what's going on why are they doing that and he said well they like the way you're dancing and moving around. He said, am I dancing? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know. He was feeling the music. He had no idea he was doing any kind of uh, stage moves that would ultimately lead to Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so it, it was just totally instinctive. And what impresses me about Elvis, nobody taught him how to sing, certainly not Sam Phillips. And nobody taught him how to do those moves. He did not have a teacher. It just came, exploded out of him. And, and that really interests me. But oh, so, yeah. and, and so Scotty said, okay, go back, keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And he went and he just did more of it. So, uh, and so then what happened, Slim Whitman, so Parker gets a call. And it's Slim Whitman. He says, you're not going to believe this boy that opened for me tonight. And he told him what happened. <laughs> so Parker changed his mind. And, and, so, and figured out a way to get him away from Scotty Moore. And uh, so, uh, so, you know, and, and one of the things that, that irks me about the movie is, just like you said, some of the liberties. Now, they had a book that had plenty of facts in it. But, you know, Baz Luhrmann is, is a picture guy. You know, none of his scripts have ever been published because it wouldn't be a pretty sight. He's a picture guy. He's a great, he's a genius director with, with pictures and, and moving things around before the camera. So uh, one of his things, he, he put a big focus, Elvis, uh, like, well, the, to tell you the truth, in Mississippi at that time, Lots of white people like black music. They did. And they bought albums and they would go hear them play and stuff. And Elvis was among those. And when he was in Memphis, he got to meet B.B. King and, and some of the other black performers. He especially liked the black gospel groups, but he liked the white gospel groups too. So, so R&B had an influence on him. But this is where the movie goes wrong. And it's, this is another thing that's going to hurt sales. Rock and roll is the child of the mixing of country music and R&B. Right. Country is just as important as R&B. And R&B is as important as country. The movie just overlooked that. And, and so that was, that was the, that's the real heart of that story, how he blended two two styles of music into a high energy thing called rock and roll. And the movie should have capitalized on that. They sh and the other, th you know, it, it's, it's remiss in not pointing out, okay, the, the Vegas years, all the jumpsuits, the glitter. And so where did that come from? That's exactly. what Hank Snow and the country artist wore. He was dressing country. <laughs> and, and it With went the rhinestones, everybody's head. Yeah. They all thought it was something new because it, you know, it's it's a decade apart. But but uh, Elvis knew it. Elvis, he was a big fan of country music. So it they it it would have been a much better movie if they had 
talked about how how the two styles came together and had this explosion and rock and roll and, and created a revolution in music and then affected politics and American culture, that would have been a much more accurate story. You know, from reading your book, it sounded, I mean, well, it it read like Parker saw a cash cow in Elvis Presley and his father. Um, right. And and I have to, I'm not, I'm not sympathetic toward Colonel Parker at all because I think he saw an opportunity and used it to his best advantage. Uh, I don't think he really, I'm not sure if he had Elvis Presley's best interests at heart, you know, um, because he took 50% of, of Elvis's earnings. Um, it was 25 at first, and then it became 50. Right. And then he set up these, uh, these uh, uh, companies, publishing companies, which garnered him even more money. And, and plus, him and Hal Wallace did not even think Elvis Presley was much of an actor. Right. Yes. And yeah. one, of the thing, one of the people I talked to was uh, uh, the director, Hal Cantor, who was the director of, of Loving You. I think it was the second movie. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I talked to him about that. And one thing I want to point out, my sources in this book are impeccable. And I worked really hard and I interviewed uh, cops brought in off of stakeouts to talk to me, all kind of adventures that I had doing that book. But um, Hal Cantor told me that Elvis could have been a really good actor. He said he had the gift, he had the instincts, and, and pretty much, you know, Parker killed that farm because if he didn't, the way Parker made money was off of him singing those dumb songs in the movies. <laughs> yeah. And if he got off and became a serious actor, then Parker's income was going to go down, way down. So he would, Parker was so calculated. I think I was fair to him in the book, but you know from reading it that I, I point out how he took advantage of Elvis. Oh, I mean, he was, well, he was, Parker was losing a million dollars at one point. Was it a month or... Uh, he they, there was at least one occasion we he lost a million dollars in one day at the casino. Oh Vegas. my god! Yeah, and, and Elvis was making a million dollars, but if you're losing a million and you're make or if you're making a million and you're losing a million, that comes out to a net zero. I mean, so he Elvis looked like he was performing for free. Well, yeah, and and I tell you, and I I, I pointed out in the book that that. Um, that Parker's original percentage was, as you said, was 25. Which is still a lot. That's, that's a lot. It should have been either 10 or 15, but, but 25 is a whole lot. And so what happened, uh, that losing streak, and he, and okay, and in the uh, 60s, early 60s, late 50s, Vegas was a mob town. They owned right. the casino. It's not like it is now, it's clean now. I'm relatively clean, I'm sure, <laughs> but but it was a it was a mob town. So he was lo losing money to the mob. He was afraid at, that he was going to lose his twenty five percent in a card game, and so he went to Elvis and told him that he was going to have to raise it to fifty because he had to make something. Now he may have told him that he lost that twenty five. I'd be I'd like to I should have gotten uh, more information from the FBI about the mob and, and their connection with Parker and Elvis at that time. 
But by the way, the FBI was very helpful to me, get supplying me with files as, as they have always done as an investigative reporter. They they recognize that 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 I'm on the same side they are and uh, exposing wrongdoing. And uh, and so I think that scared Elvis. Elvis had all, always been uh, a little scared of Parker, and he would complain to Scotty Moore in those early days when it was just the three of them out driving all over the country, that he he just was upset with things Parker was doing. And Scotty said, just stand up to him. He'll back down. He's making money on you. Stand up to him. But Elvis just never did it. Never did it. You know, and, uh, and, you know, so, I mean, Parker, I mean, he, he, you look at the ways that Elvis and Parker were different. And it's just astonishing if you just sit down and look at it. Elvis was uh, Elvis was religious. I don't know if Parker had ever been in a church in his life. <laughs> Elvis enjoyed the company of black people, uh, and and Parker would not let him record with black people. They couldn't stop him from going to Beale Street, but he would never let him perform with black people. And uh, and and then you look at at Parker's life, and. Uh, uh, Elvis had had male friends, female friends, and and, uh, and they were in two different categories, of course. But Parker, there's never any scandal, any association of him with any woman except for the woman he married back in Tampa. And so uh, he didn't he didn't like people. Period. Elvis loved people, both genders. You know, come to my house, hang yeah. out with me. Uh, and my opinion of Elvis, particularly doing that book, and I wrote two books with Scotty Moore, uh, it's just really gone high. I mean, he was, uh, I, I, I appreciate what the movie has tried to do to, to, to make him a revolutionary figure. But, uh, you know, I wrote about that 38 years ago. Right. And, and you know, and amaze, one of the things that amazed me, and I'm jumping around here a little bit, and I apologize for that, but um, I always thought Elvis was drafted into the Army. But even that was a ploy by right. Colonel Parker. Right. Well, yeah. they, 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 I, think, I think, well, I'll tell you why, why it was a, the, the evidence of that. Uh, is that when, when you're drafted, you go in as a group, no exceptions. When you enlist, you get a private entry. You go to a doctor and 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 a hundred other men don't see you naked and all that stuff. And so there's just no evidence that he was ever actually drafted. And in that time, if he was drafted, Parker, like a phone call from Parker, it was very political. The draft boards were extra, they were political appointees. And you, you're talking about a colonel from <laughs> so, so a telephone would have stopped it. But what he realized, he had to get Elvis out of the country because of his gambling losses. Yeah, I know. And see, that's and now in the movie, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to spoil anything by, because it's been reported. Elvis never fired Colonel Parker from the stage. No, you know, no. Now, I read a story where, like, where he was, 
he was, uh, was it 1973 or four, where Elvis was talking on the stage about a friend of, he had a friend of the hotel which had been fired. And like in the back, and after the show, he and the Colonel got into a big argument and then said, you know, you're done with me. I'm done with you or whatever. And, but Parker whipped out a whole bunch of receipts. That's the story I read online. Right. But he, but he never really, did he ever really fire him? No, he never fired him. And, and one of the things about, uh, I'm proud to say most of my information is from interviews. And I was lucky. I mean, of the three people, Scotty Moore, Bill Black, Elvis, Scotty's the only one that wrote the story. The only person. He, he is the ultimate source on what happened in those early years. And, uh, and it's just so much I hear is contrary to what really happened. And uh, I mean, it's so it, 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 and part of that later, when you start getting into the 70s and, and you've got what, what they call the uh, Memphis Mafia. Yeah. But, but it was Elvis's male groupies that lived in the house with him. And and there's you know these were not highly educated people, they yes. had all kind of ulterior motives and they they were getting uh, free whatever they wanted and so but their stories over the years they've drifted out and and so much of that is is to be doubted because it's just from the wrong people. That's uh, right. I mean, it, and you, like I said, I'm glad you said it because I, I was thinking the very same thing uh, that. Even Vernon and Elvis did not have, I think they had, they all had a high school education. That was it. Right. And that's what made me think that Colonel Parker just saw the cash there. I can take advantage of these guys. And you even mentioned the book that he may have had some kind of dirt on Vernon. Uh, he, he, he might have. There were just a lot of things happening um, I, I mentioned in the book an organized crime probe in which it looked like Vernon was going to have to testify and uh, because of people uh, act, doing deals with with Elvis and Parker and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I, and, and Elvis loved his dad, but not like he loved his mother. I mean, right. it, it just... Uh, and, and so I don't know. I, my, all I can say is I've studied, studied Southern music for a good 40 years. And, and I, I tell you, Elvis was a good guy. He was compassionate. He, he had an inquiring mind. And, uh, and a lot of the bad things that happened to him, I mean, you know, shame on the doctor who gave him prescription pills. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean. Nicopolis was right. Nick Nicopolis. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, 8,000 pills, I believe in what, three months or something right. like that. Right. Just, you know, unreal. And, and the, the whole, everybody's reason was the same that if we didn't do it, he would have gotten rid of us. Right. And that's just, that's just admitting that, yeah, we're yes men. We're, uh, you know, the only person to stand up to, to Parker was Priscilla. Right, and and that was later, really after he was dead. Right now, now he died. He did not mention Priscilla in his will. He he left everything to his dad, and his dad did a will. Was it 
because uh, Elvis's will allowed him to name a successor to himself. And he picked Priscilla. But that was not Elvis's first choice. Wow. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. He didn't mention her. But, it, but uh, uh, Lisa Marie was to be taken care of. That was his focus. And, uh, and, and he wanted his dad to do that. And he trusted his dad that it, if he was not going to be able to do it because of health reasons, that he would pick somebody as good as him. And Amazing. so, but, you know, and, and the latest news on Graceland, uh, the city gave them, uh, I think it was $100 million. I may be wrong on the total. Uh, did a bond issue. And Graceland is, is in default. Really? Yeah. And they used that money for that big 450-room hotel next door to them. Yeah. And, you know, you go into Graceland now just to go in and have the basic tour. I think it's $77. It is, if, yeah. If, if you want to see everything, it's almost two hundred. That's what I told a friend of mine. I said it's two hundred dollars to go see Graceland now. It, you know, it's greatly overpriced. But they're going to default, and there was some talk of people in the organization. Maybe they need to move Graceland somewhere else. And where do you think they'd want to move it? Tupelo, Vegas. Mississippi. Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Okay. Yeah. Well, I tell you the. Author's name is James L. Dickerson, and the book is Colonel Tom Parker, The Curious Life of Elvis Presley's Eccentric Manager. You're being generous by calling him eccentric, James. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you taking time for light, to be on Lights, Camera, Author. Well, I, I really appreciate you, uh, the way you conduct your interviews and, and you research it and everything. And I hope, one of the, I hope you will invite me back I have uh, put together a production company. I'm, I'm going to uh, to do a mystery series uh, in which music will be a big part. But the the, mist, the the sleuth will be an investigative reporter, and it's with Networks Now. You can so come I hope back I can anytime. come back and talk to you about that. Series. I would love to have you back anytime. That'd be fantastic. Well, I'll tell you. Thanks again, and. James L. Dickerson, again, thank you for being on Life Camera Author. I, I really enjoyed it. Great time. Colonel Tom Parker, The Curious Life of Elvis Presley's Eccentric Manager, is written by James L. Dickerson and is published by Satoris Literary Group. Until next time, I'm Jim Juno, and this has been Life Camera Author. <laughs>